Yeah. We left off on 1 John 3.10, but to get us back into context, feels awkward doing this on here without my Bible. I'm going to go back up just a couple of passages here. And remember, as we've been looking here, I mean, what, what John has been discussing with him, it's all very logical as far as their behavior and what that behavior says about, about them as followers of God. And he points out, as we've looked at, there are those who are not followers of Christ or God, and there are those who uh, are involved in sinful things. And he basically says this d determines which family you're in. You're either in the family of God or you're in the family of Satan. And so that's kind of where we left off, if you want me to give you a, just a play-by-play -play synopsis. But he's being very logical here. Uh, I'll start off here, 1 John 3, and start, five, and, uh, start in verse 5. And ye know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth in him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might take away, sorry, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. Now we're going to pick up in 10, but let's go back and let's talk about verse 9 for just a second before we hit verse 10. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. Now, there are certain groups, obviously, that teach that it is impossible for one to such, such sin as to fall from grace once they have become a Christian. What group, what group teaches that primarily, guys? What would you say? Calvinism. Calvinism. Yeah, preterism is actually leading into that. They are basically going straight into universalism, too, and there's no other logical destination other than that. Same thing as faith only. But yes, Calvinism does teach that. Uh, can we, now John has already addressed this, but can we sin so as to fall from grace? Yes, we actually looked at the verses last week. Uh, it, it's simply as a dog returning to his vomit or a sow wallowing in the mire, right? So we looked at that, and we clearly understand what he's saying here. Now he says, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. What was the seed? We talked about this last week. Luke 8, 11 should be what pops into your mind. The seed is the Word of God, right? And so, with that being said, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin. What do we understand about the word cannot there? What's he saying? It's not that he can't sin. It's that he cannot sin because the seed of God remains in him, and he realizes he can't do that. He can't be a follower of God and then go and sin especially in, in light of what John is saying here. It's not logical. You can't claim to be a follower of God and then go out, if you have his seed in him, and go out and do those types of things. All right, he says, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. He's in the family of God. Now, John does a good job distinguishing between the, the family of God and those not in the family of God. So let's pick up here in verse 10. In this, the children of God are manifest... And the children of the devil, showing the two different families here, isn't he? And if you think about it in our world today, I mean, it's pretty clear as you, as you look at the behaviors of certain people, uh, what family they are in. Now, some, some are very good moral people today, and yet they're still not in the family of God. 
How many of us know somebody who's not a follower, of, who's not a Christian, they're not a member of the Lord's church, but they're good moral people? Like my dad is a good moral person for the most part, but he's, he's not a Christian. It's sad that I was actually having, so I had this conversation at work last week. Uh, we were talking about somebody who had passed away, and they said, well, they were asking how old my father was, and I said, well, he's 83. And I said, you know, it, it is fairly sad that uh, he's not, he's a good moral person but he's not going to go to heaven. Uh, but what's the mindset today? Good people go to heaven, right? That's what most people around us believe. Uh, and so we hear it all the time. How many of you guys see that on Facebook? Every day, right? So-and-so passed away. They were a good person. They're in heaven. Well, there's so much wrong with that whole statement, but we don't have time to cover that. But no, that's the general idea. But he distinguishes the two families. You've got the children of God, and you've got the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. So let's, let's stop for just a second again. So we have to define, if this is the case, if they don't do righteousness, they're not of God. We now have to define righteousness. How would you guys, what's the easiest way to, to, to define righteousness? What's our standard? With the Word of God, right? Because what verse goes with that? We're going to be judged by the Word. John 12, 48. So yeah, that's our standard. So if he's not doing that, even if he's a good moral person, think of a few things that they're not doing that are required. If they're a good moral person, but they don't believe the Bible, what's something they may not be doing that is required for those uh, to be faithful? They're not worshiping. All right, we could go through and start listing a whole bunch of things, right? So even good moral people, uh, they're not meeting the requirements for righteousness. It says, neither he that loveth not his brother... Could you be a Christian and not love your brother? Have, we ever, have you ever heard of people acting like that? Certainly we have. Uh, you know, a lot of people say, well, you guys are always hammering on, on the denominational groups out there. We have just as many problems within the churches of Christ. The problem is that some people don't want to talk about them. We do here all the time. There's, there's not a big issue with it because we don't want to fall into that situation. So what's he talking about here? In, in this, in what? Well, in the matters which were just discussed, we indicate who our family is through our manner of life. And again, that's, that's extremely logical. I think John does an excellent job in trying to break this down. You've got the children of God and you have the children of the devil, and they're easily distinguished from each other by the act that the one abstains from a life of constant unrepentant sin while the other lives in it. Now, we're no different in the world than we do occasionally sin. We're not supposed to, and we don't want to. Uh, I don't think there's anybody here who would say they've never sinned, right? We talk all the time about it. We do sin. The goal is not to sin, but if we sin, we have an advocate, don't we? So we can go back and we can repent, and we can then uh, change our, our lives and be faithful again and once again be, be considered righteous. Well, those who are living in unrepentant sin, they don't have, first of all, they don't have the adv avenue with the, ad with the advocate. Right? But second of all, the unrepentant sin clearly shows that, again, they're not in alignment with righteousness. So therefore, they're not of God. Now, that doesn't come across very well. Uh, if you were, to, have, if you were to, to look at this verse and describe it in that way to a person who is not a member of the church, it's not going to go over very well. Uh, I have people sometimes will ask me, what do you think about certain religious groups? Usually the easiest way to do that without, depending on if they're part of the group or not, without being severely offensive is just, and it's pretty easy, you can say, well, I just, I disagree with 
for example, with the Baptists, I disagree with you. You can just start listing, just go through TULIP or just, or with the Catholics, again, I'll be very specific and say, well, I disagree with. And usually you can pick things out that even they will, they will say that's not. Today, today, I was in the HR office uh, and her friend is a Catholic. I won't describe who this was or what we were talking about, but they, uh, they clearly believe some things that, and I asked them, I said, where's that in the Bible? And they said, well, it's not in the Bible. And I said, well, that's another problem with the Catholic Church. So we can do that in a way that, yeah, they understand. We, we totally disagree with it, but it doesn't have to be offensive. 1 John 2, 29, 1 John 3, 4. This is where I need my Bible. I have never, this, never forgotten my Bible before. If ye know that he is righteous, ye know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of him. All right, let's go to 3, verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. Now, we talked about this uh, not long ago. How many of you ever heard someone say, oh, well, there's no, there's no law for the Christian, right? It's just the law of faith. No, there's a law. What are some of the names for the law? Law of Christ. Perfect law of liberty. We can continue to go on. Yes, we are under law. Most accounts where they find just the word law, it's oftentimes referring to the law of Moses, uh, and people misunderstand that. But here, John has already shown us in just these two passages uh, the two points that he's re reconfirming here, and this is logically seen in comparing those who are not Christians with those who are Christians, right? It's not hard to compare for the most part. I say for the most part. It's not hard to compare... Christians to non-Christians. The problem is, is we have faithful Christians and they are clearly set apart from the world. But unfortunately, what other kind of Christians do we have? Erring Christians. And how many of you guys have ever heard someone say, well, there's a bunch of hypocrites in the church? And the answer is, yeah, yeah, there are. Uh, and usually when I hear someone say that derogatorily, I think one of the best things you can do is just agree with them right off the bat. Because that's not what they're expecting. Yeah, I agree with you. I've, I've seen it. Most of us have seen it, right? Some of the meanest people you've ever met probably were Christians. So that's the hard part. It shouldn't be hard to distinguish the world from the Christian, but sometimes you have Christians that are more like the world than they are uh, like Christ. So, and unfortunately, uh, it could be to the point where they decide they're going leave to the, leave the children of God, the family of God, and be amongst the children of the devil. How many of you guys know somebody who's actually left the church? We've converted people who've left the church. Uh, it's sad. And to think that you would willingly give up, if you truly understood, to think that you would willingly give up being a part of the family of God to go back to what it is that the world has to offer. It's just mind-boggling. Mind 1 John 3.11, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning that we should love one another. All right. So John's readers had heard this message from the beginning. You might be wondering, let me get back to my notes here, the beginning of what? Well, they'd heard it from the beginning of their being added to the church, since this was easily an easily seen difference between them and the world. In the first century, when you went back and you began to look at how the world was, you look at the Roman Empire and look how they dealt with people. Uh, it, was, it was controlled by force, right? And then you had those who were completely different. You had Christians 
who were willing, who were willing to just turn the other cheek. They, they were willing to love people and to, uh, for the most part, we find them being, um, what do you say, non-aggressive, peaceful. Uh, we could go back and do a little bit of a study on that, but they were totally different than those of the world. And that was part of the draw to the church. One of the statements made in one of my history books, I wish I'd have gone back and wrote it down, was uh, the more blood that is slain, the quicker the church grows, basically. That's a paraphrase of it. But the more of us you kill, the quicker we grow, right? And that's because there was something about the Christian faith that people would willingly die. People don't willingly die for a lie, right? They would willingly die for their faith. You get complacent. Yeah, I was. I was uh, doing orientation for an employee, and I said, uh, I was explaining the equipment and things like that, and I said, you you will not get hurt with new machinery. You will get killed by machinery you work with every day that you become complacent around. That's when it becomes dangerous. When you become complacent, that's when it gets dangerous. And it's the same thing for Christians. We, oftentimes we do get complacent, right? When things going well, we're not having any struggles, everything's going pretty good. And oftentimes things begin to go by the wayside, right? Uh, and, and how often has that happened for somebody who was once a faithful Christian where it's kind of like when you go out into the water and before you know it, you didn't even realize you were drifting away and, and you're almost too, far, almost too far away to get back, right? It happens to Christians all the time. If you go back and look in some of the history books, Christians are recorded often in the history books for their love, not only of their brethren, but also for the non-Christian. And you could go back and look at a number of times where Christians are actually recorded uh, in a lot of ways specifically helping not only their brethren but others. They're documented as helping both Christians and non-Christians, especially during times of famine and natural disasters. There were a number of famines uh, in the first century and actually through the, from the first of really the third and the fourth centuries where you have Christians being recorded as uh, willingly going in, especially with plagues and things like that, where they were willing to go in and to help the sick when, no, when nobody else would even go in and help them, but they were willing to go in. And some of these, a lot of these people were not Christians that they were coming in to help. But that's one of the, again, that's one of the draws of, of the church, right? They were willing to come in and do and, and to assist and help other people when other people didn't want to go in there because they, they knew it could be a death sentence. Part of that might be cut off. Sociologist and historian Rodney Stark stated that one of the reasons Christianity grew while Roman paganism waned in the first through the fourth centuries was because of the mercy Christians displayed toward people, and in particular how during two plagues that ravaged the Roman Empire. The Christians were different. Everybody knew it. Uh, everybody knew that even when they were persecuted, that it didn't stop them from gathering. They had to go into hiding oftentimes, but it didn't stop them. Uh, and they were, and, and we've even mentioned it a number of times here, and even some specific people. You can see all the way from then, even up in through the Middle Ages, where you had Christians, members of the church, who were being burned, burned alive at the stake, being tortured or killed by the Catholic Church. Uh, you had a number of Christians who were really suffering for their faith. I think that 
think about that also from the standpoint, just studying the book of Acts and seeing what Paul's writing for the New Testament. In the book of Acts, how many times did, did uh, Paul have to flee from the Jews, which were supposedly thought of as God's people? Yeah. And even Jesus called him out when he said, here you are to kill me. I mean, the people of God treating people that way. And yet, let's, let's, let's put our... I probably would... If I was a Jew, I'd have probably been guilty. I mean, if, think about this, guys. If you were that zealous to be a follower of God, but for some reason you didn't either understand or believe the prophecies, you didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah, you thought he literally was a blasphemer, you probably would do what Paul did, Right? harass the church, persecute the church. Uh, I go back and read some of Jesus' words, and I wonder if I would have got it. I would have hoped that I would have. I don't know that I would have. I may have... Guys, I may have been just like when I was being raised as a Catholic. I knew what I was told as a Catholic, right? Just like the Jews knew what they were told as a Jew. They weren't expecting uh, uh, Jesus to come in the form that he did. What were they expecting? Primarily military ruler of some sort most likely to take them back to the to the grandeur they saw under David and Solomon that's what they were that's what they were being told by their Jewish leaders that's what they were expecting yeah Yeah. How many how many here have ever seen the movie Sixth Sense? Sixth Sense with um, what's the main character's name? He was on Die Hard. Bruce Willis. Joe, you saw it. So here's the thing. It's a mystery movie. I'm not going to give the answer away for anyone who didn't see it. I watched that whole movie and I saw it all unraveling, just like the Jews saw it all unraveling. When it got to the end, I was like because I didn't see any of it while the movie was playing out. Like, I was just, I was dumbfounded. But now, if I go back and watch it, it all makes perfect sense, because it's all played out, right? I think a lot of that has the same thing. They, it was right in front of them being played out, and they couldn't, they couldn't see it because it was actually right in front of them being played out. I think it's the same thing, very similar to that movie. I mean, I, I didn't see it at the time. I was so in, involved in what was going on, I just didn't see it. But now, looking back, it all made sense. I can't tell you how many times I've went, wow, I had that wrong, right? We've all done it. We've all been like, how did I get that wrong? But a lot of times, like, it's when you go back and you read a passage and you realize, oh, wait a minute, this passage and this passage go together. It actually confirms that, and I never noticed it before. Uh, and it changes, it changes the way you understood something at one time. You know, when I was uh, obeying the gospel or studying the gospel, uh, I was just in my teenage years and active with the Baptist. As far as I was concerned, I was right. Well. And an elder came to the house to teach. Oh yeah, I, I have i I've seen them, but I've not actually seen them. <laughs> but you know, studying that and yet 
I would read through different things there and like when we come to study in Matthew, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, one thing that stood out to me with those Beatitudes is the last one. Blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you, say all men are evil against you falsely for my name's sake. You know, I always looked at that and thought, well, Jesus is talking about the world. That's, that's the world that's going to teach you or treat you like that. Well, yes, it is. I wouldn't expect any less. I've seen people do that. But I've learned over the years that sometimes it's my brethren. Unfortunately. Yeah, it's really sad. Um, we, I think many of us have actually seen that play out where you expect it from the world. You don't really expect it you know, from your own brethren. Uh, and, and we act like maybe this is a new thing, but we have examples in the Bible where it was happening. Yeah. I mean, Alexander the coppersmith doesn't come to worship here with us, but he did go worship somewhere, and he created all kinds of havoc for people, right? And a lot of congregations have a lot of Alexander the coppersmiths that are there causing trouble for him, unfortunately. 1 John 3.12, now he's going to give us an example, right? We've already talked about how Satan was, the, was, a, sinner, or was the, a sinner from the beginning, a liar from the beginning. We actually have a number of passages that address that. But now he's going to actually give us an example. He says, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother, and wherefore slew he him? Why did he kill him? Because his own works were evil, and his brothers were righteous. Let me see where I was going with this in my mindset. Yeah, I got there. So let me, let me how many of you guys have ever seen where you've got somebody out front of an abortion clinic holding a sign saying, save the babies, and people are screaming at them, cussing at them, and telling them they're horrible people, and they need to get off the property, and they call the police on them. And what's, what's the guy literally doing? Please don't kill the babies. That's what his sign says. And what's the, what are the people there saying? Get out of here. We don't, we, you're a horrible person, right? We don't want you here. You have, those that are, you have those that are really of the wicked one, and oftentimes the world doesn't know the difference between the standard of the wicked one and the standard of God. Even to the point where they look at the standard of the wicked one as actually being normal. Uh, in, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, this, it's not new. How many of you guys have all heard, my, my mom says it all the time when I talk, she goes, I'd like to go back to the 40s and 50s, she said, because this world has just become so evil. And when she says that, I think to myself, it may seem that way, but it's not any different than it was from the beginning. It's not really changed. All it's got on is new clothes, right? It's a little bit different. Some of the ways we sin are, are based on the same ways people sin before, but it's just new ways of doing it, right? New technology, new whatever. This has been going on from the very beginning. So his statement here is a direct contrast to the previous verse and is an example of how one ought not to behave. Before he tells us how to behave, now he's telling you how you ought not to behave. Uh, you might say, well, why would he do both? How many of you guys have had a children who said, do this? And then you came back later and said, don't do this. I got a lot of those don't do thises, right? Because sometimes you need to hear it both ways. Uh, it's, 
sometimes people do well by reading and some do well by seeing. Sometimes your children do better, or all of us in general, by saying, you can do this, you cannot do that, right? Uh, talking about, let's say, maybe uh, the rules for marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and you say, you can do this, but you can't do that, right? Sometimes you've got to break it down that way. That's exactly what John is doing here by inspiration. The faithful do righteousness and love. That's what we found in the last passage. And the unfaithful do not do righteousness and love. Seems pretty simple to me so far. How about you guys? I don't think it gets a whole lot clearer than that. All right, so now we have an example. Cain. He's an example of... Cain is an example of both. His hatred caused him to commit sin and harm another, which is the exact opposite of loving others. You guys think Cain was a bad person his whole life? How many of you guys know somebody who's a mean person? If you're willing to admit it, in your mind. I work with somebody today, somebody was saying, well, they're just a mean person. You think they're mean all the time? You, think, you don't think there are some people that have good qualities about them, but sometimes are mean? Let me give you another example. So when I used to do work at the prison, the one guy told me this, and I think he was pretty close. He said the only, this was the guy that he killed his wife and another man when he came home unexpectedly. He said, the only difference between me and you is 10 seconds and a bad decision. Is that what happened with Cain? I don't know. But is, could that happen to any one of us? How many of you guys have ever said something when you wish you didn't, and you're like, oh, I wish I could have those 10 seconds back? Anger can get out of hand real quick, real quick. We had an argument on, I don't, think, I don't think anybody where I work watches anything I say, so I can say whatever I want. We had an argument on the floor where today one of the gentlemen went back to apologize. Initially, it, was, it wasn't a big deal. Things get out of, out of control real quick, don't they? I think we've all probably been there too. I don't, I don't have as much information about this as I would like. We could go back and begin to study the account here with Cain and Abel. Uh, why did he kill him? Well, if we go to the verse and we go back and do a little research, it's because his works were evil and Abel's were righteous. You ever found somebody who did evil and because they did evil, they literally hated and persecuted, kind of really where you were going, really persecuted others because they were righteous? And, and it's not always the world who's doing it. Sometimes it's our brethren. Uh, and we probably ought not to be surprised about that. What's a couple of examples where you've got the world, as Sam said, calling evil good and good evil? What are a couple of examples of that today? Well, the abortion issue is a big one. How many saw on Facebook, what was this, two months ago, where elders sent a sent a member of the church who, had, who was living in unrepentant sin. They sent her a letter. I think they had tried to contact her numerous times, but finally they sent a letter and said, if this is not dealt with by Sunday, that they were going to announce it from the pulpit, uh, which they were following church discipline, right? They had contacted her. I, th I know that they had spoken with her a couple times. Uh, they tried to get in contact with her again. She wouldn't have anything to do with them. Well, what's it say after you've, tried to, after you've done all that? It's tell it to the church and that's what they were going to do and what did she do she posted the letter on facebook and said look how horrible these people are what well first of all they're following they're following biblical mandate to try to save her soul 
And I have to give them, I don't know what happened there, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they carried all that out scripturally and in a manner of love. I have to give them the benefit of the doubt because I don't personally know. I would assume they did. And then I saw people on Facebook saying, oh, those, the churches of Christ are horrible, hateful people. It's the world or some of our brethren were saying that, saying hey, these are horrible, hateful people. Well, there are, there are members of the church that address things in, in ways that are not correct, and they could, be, they could be hateful people, and they are addressing it wrong. However, you could address it all correctly and do it in a manner of love and still be called out, and they say, well, you're a horrible, hateful person, right? But today, it's not uncommon to have those who are involved in evil things call good evil and evil good. Mm -hmm. So, well, and so I, I mentioned there was, I won't mention his name because I don't want, uh, I don't want anybody to know who it is, but a minister that I know that I went to school with, I guess that limits it to some, <laughs> he was at a congregation where they, they had a member who left the church for, I mean, they're not very big anymore, and I don't think they actually they don't go by the crossroads movement, but the Boston, uh, the, they now call themselves the International Churches of Christ. He left the church for that. Long story short, um, they had studied with him, they'd spoke with him, he refused to come back, and so church, long story short, church discipline was being enforced on him and his family, and his best friend was a member of the congregation and said, I refuse to do it, and that created havoc because now people began to say, well, you know what, I think I, think I agree with him because he's not a bad guy. He's just, he's just not doing right right now, but he's not a bad guy. So the congregation actually got split into two different groups. There was two elders. One of them said, enough's enough. He stepped down. So they, now, they, now they have no eldership. And the congregation, guys, the congregation is gone. They lost the entire congregation. Everybody ended up leaving. Uh, there was only like three or four people left. There wasn't enough there to even to really even do worship anymore. All of them had gotten mad and they went to another church and then some of them, of course, they couldn't worship where those people were. They went to a different church and there was like three or four people left. I think, last I heard, they shut the building down. Yeah, I mean, how many, we'll use a different example. <laughs> of course, not you, because none of us would ever do this, but how many, how many ever know somebody who got angry at maybe a spouse or something, and instead of dealing with it, you just sweep it under the rug, and you leave it there, kind of like a tack that pokes you in the foot all the time. But what, what is eventually going to happen when that, when that happens? Eventually, it builds to the point where what do you do? Not, not you guys here, because I know that would never happen, but what do you do eventually? You snap, right? And you bring it back up. And you go, you remember when? Yeah, we. I mean, there are people that have done that. We've never done that, but there are people that have done that. Yeah. <laughs> I've done it. I don't want to do it, but I have done it. That's probably what happened here with Cain. Cain and Abel. 
So because of his works were evil and Abel's were righteous, that's the reason he killed him. Oftentimes, those who are unfaithful do not like to be reminded of sin. You don't think that's true? If you don't believe that for a second, just go on Facebook and type up a whole bunch of things that are sinful and call them out and see how long you're on Facebook. Is anybody, who's been banned on Facebook already? Carl's not here. I know Carl's been banned. Carl's been banned a number of times. Uh, I have... <laughs> take a little pride in it. I haven't... I haven't been banned yet, but I've known Christians who were banned for putting uh, biblical matters uh, on Facebook, right? You, how about YouTube? That's why we're downloading all of our videos, because we figure one, day, one of these days we're going to be banned. It's probably going to happen. And, they, and it wouldn't surprise me. John 3.13. Let me look at something real quick. All right, we're not going to go past verse 19 because I didn't figure we'd go this far. <laughs> I don't think we'll get to that point. I take my notes and figure about how far I think we'll get. John 3.13, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. What's he saying? Paraphrase. <laughs> don't be surprised if the world hates you as followers of God. And to be honest, I don't think probably any of us are. Uh, Yeah, I, uh, I got called, this is, this is when I worked in Fort Wayne, I got a phone call one day, and, uh, oh no, I called him, so I called the Baptist minister, I never met him, we had, a, we had a member of the congregation, he was never a Christian, he worshipped with us, how long did Ray worship, worship with us, two years, three, I don't know how long, anyways, he was a diehard Calvinist, but anyways, uh, for a number of reasons, he had, we made him no longer, for a safety reason, come to the church building. I'm not going to explain why, but it was dangerous to have him in the building with our younger people. That should be all I need to say. So, anyways, I then found out from somebody else who knew him who said he's going to the Baptist church. So I called the Baptist church up. I didn't know the guy. I said, yeah, can I speak with uh, whoever you're... I didn't... Of course, they call him Pastor. Can I speak with whoever there's your pastor or minister. So they put the guy on the phone and I said, hi, my name is Sean Bogman with the Churches of Christ and he said, here in town. And he said, I know exactly who you are. I never, I never spoke to the guy once, never. How did he know who I was? Well, I didn't have a problem calling out some of the religious groups around us. I never called that guy out by name. I didn't even know his name. After I spoke with him, he was very thankful I called. But I bring that up to say, there's an awful lot of people out in the world who hate us. For nothing more than oftentimes the simple where we go to church, really, or what it is that we believe, what we stand for. So here's what we're learning from John so far. And remember, he just gave us an example of this. This isn't something that's new. You know, like my mom would say, I wish we could go back to the 1940s. It, was that really any better? Now, granted, it probably was better than today, but in the whole scheme of things, was it really any better in the 40s as opposed to today or even back in the... Uh, first century or even well before then. No. That's why John gave us an example. The hatred of the good by the bad is as old as the human race and is noted in the previous example with Cain and Abel. And yet, the Christian is told to be different. Those in the first century were still acting like this, just like, just like today, right? How many of you guys are surprised when you hear about a murder taking place? I'm not. Uh, we had a gentleman who got shot that worked at uh, 
the company I work at, and he was out at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm at home in bed at 3 o'clock in the morning, guys, getting ready to get up for work. He was out doing something, not quite sure, in Kalamazoo, and he got shot. You guys ever notice that oftentimes where, when you're where you're supposed to be, you're not going to get into a lot of trouble, but when you're where you're not supposed to be, you are going to get into trouble? Well, the hatred of the good by the bad is as old as the human race. And he gives us a good example here to show us it's not any different today than it was. Listen to, first, listen to John 15, 17 through 19. These things I command you, command, that ye love one another. If the world hate you, ye know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hateth you. So, I wasn't a Christian yet. It was a period where I was trying to be faithful before I ever became a Christian, many years before. And it kind of fell by the wayside. But at that time, when I decided I was going to try to be faithful, I was very good friends with a supervisor at the place where I worked. He was also one of my drinking buddies. <laughs> what do you guys think happened when I tried to change who I was? I got picked on all the time. I got picked on every day until I finally I quit the job. Uh, I got a phone call from a headhunter and they said, are you looking for a job? And I said, maybe. And they said, can you come to an interview today? And I said, yep. And I took the job. Uh, we were good friends before that. Uh, guys, it was so bad, like I couldn't find my coffee cup one day, and, and I started looking for it. It was floating in the toilet with a hole drilled through it. Through it. That's the kind of stuff I was doing. Every, every day I had to deal with that kind of stuff, right? Why, did he, why was he picking on me? I mean, I wasn't even a Christian. I was, trying to, I was trying to get it all figured out at that time, right? That's years, years, years before I became a Christian. But he liked me when I was like him, when I would come over and work on trucks and cars with him and drink. He, he liked me. We were, we were friends. It wasn't until I quit some of that where we had problems. So why should we be surprised if the world hates us when we're trying to do good uh, and we're, we're, we're trying to do what we're supposed to? Simply put, when the, world, when the world hates, Christians are to love. That's the difference, right? Uh, the thought of... We had, I actually had this discussion with somebody at work. Uh, the thought of a Christian getting in an argument and physically assaulting somebody should be so far from our minds, I mean, that it's, it's even hard to comprehend. That a Christian would allow themselves to get to the point where one, let's say they would use profanity or they would scream or they would yell. And we've all had heated conversations. Let's not pretend we don't. We have. But that it would get to the point where physical violence would take place, right? I mean, that's pretty hard for me to imagine. When the world hates, we're to love. Uh, go ahead. So, 
the person that told me they used to go to the Church of Christ, we, that conversation did go a little bit further. Uh, and we did talk about some certain things uh, that the world would promote where the church would say maybe is not acceptable. And uh, he asked me my opinion on some of those things. And I said, you know, first of all, I can't force anybody to do anything. I can't, I mean, I can't be like the Catholic Church and just force feed baptism on babies, right? Any more than I can go out and force the gospel on a grown adult. Uh, if people don't want to become Christians, there's nothing I can do about that. That doesn't mean that I, and I told him, I said, for example, in the, in the culture today, I won't tell what the issues were, but there were some issues. I said, people think that this is okay, and this is okay, and this is okay. And I said, and I personally do not. I said, but I don't hate those people. I work with people that live different type lifestyles or do things. You know, Larry, when you worked at the factory, how many people were, were drinking nonstops? They drank, they cussed. I mean, did you hate those people? I said, there are people that work here that do things that I would never do, and you know that I wouldn't. He's like, yeah. And I said, I don't hate those people. I don't hate them. I feel sorry for them that they're in the position they're in, that one, they think it's okay, or two, they don't want to change. I don't hate those people, but I totally disagree with it. And I said, here's the problem. A Christian can sit down with someone and say, you can do those things. The Bible says that you ought not, and it's inspired. At least I believe it's inspired, and so I don't think those things are okay. And we can leave on good terms. I don't need to punch Larry in the nose if we disagree. The problem is, is the world doesn't think that way. If you tell them, I don't think you should do that, I think that's immoral, they want to give you the equivalent of the punch in the nose by saying, you're, you're bigoted, you're prejudiced, you're biased. I mean, it's, it's a two-sided argument, right? Really, if you think about it, coming from their viewpoint, they can't really lose if they spin it on you. But what do you do as a Christian? You take it. You don't get angry. You don't get violent. Yeah, I was just going to add, we live in a world where everybody creates their own line in the sand of what's morally good and morally evil. Right? Mm-hmm. But the scripture has already done that for us. And people don't want to accept that. And that, that line in the sand in the world is constantly moving. Every individual has their own you know, threshold. Yeah. Yeah, I had that, that same gentleman. We were having a conversation. We were talking about the ch- about churches in general, and I said, well, "What do you think about churches?" And he said, "Most of them are a bunch of hypocrites and they're liars, and they all want your money." And I said, "Yeah, that's right. That's right." I said, uh, "What do you know?" I said, "What do you know about tithing? They all make you tithe, don't they?" And he said, "Yeah." And I said, "You really you realize that Christians don't tithe?" And he was like, "What?" And I'm like, yeah, uh, let me explain to you the requirements for your giving. You know, how you're to, you're to give as you've prospered. You're to give cheerfully. I started to explain all that to him, and I said, there's, there's no 10% in there, right? That's the, that's the Baptist church down there. Don't get me wrong. I'd like to go back and buy me a nice old 85 IROC. But that's him getting the money to buy his old car that he's been wanting for a while, right? He's taking your money. Like my dad literally told the church, the Catholic church, he called the archdiocese and said, they're shaking me down. That's my dad. If you guys have met my dad before, they're shaking me down. They want, they want me to pay more than I can give, and they're shaking me down. And he said, I'm not giving. I'm not giving. And he sat in the front seat, and he wouldn't give. Well, what'd my dad know? They just want his money. They didn't care about him. And that's the guy that I know who's not going to church anymore. He knows they're all a bunch of frauds. So it is sad that 
all of the, the frauds of the religious world around us have really impacted what we're trying to actually do, which is to love people and to teach them the truth. And although, because everyone else accepts it and we don't, who's the bad people? Us. Us. Uh, I, guys, I have, the, I have the craziest conversation. I had a guy tell me today about, he was talking about building the temple. How many of you guys know that they're preparing to build the temple? He was, he was telling me, they're going to build the temple over in Jerusalem. And I said, well, I know that they have the blocks, and supposedly they have the, the, uh, the heifer and all of that. And so he was, he was going on and on and on about it. And I said, well, you realize the Jews are not God's people today. So, so the worship is worthless. And he's like, yeah. And I said, why don't they just forget to build the temple and just become Christians? And he goes, well, that would make sense, wouldn't it? <laughs> the religious world around us is so confused, guys. I saw a hand go up somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. And they could have all come. As many of them that could have wanted to come could have come. Right? He was a preacher of righteousness. And how many did he save? Eight. Eight. Not even all of his family. How many of us aren't going to save some of our family? I know most of my family's not going. And here's the sad part. And I actually told my wife this. And I don't care if my parents will watch this. I'm not actually upset about it anymore. I don't. I think it hurts me more when some of the faithful Christians I love die than it will when my parents die because I haven't seen my parents. I've talked to them. I haven't seen my parents in four, five, four years, five years. I've tried. They're not interested. I saw a hand go up. Well, just by teaching, like, there's one church. Who does it condemn? Condemns everyone that's outside the church. And you've got our own brethren. I deleted a guy off Facebook last week. Well, two weeks ago, who said, I was raised Catholic, and he said, I don't condemn the individual Catholic because they're trying to do right, but I do condemn the hierarchy of the Catholic Church for misleading them. But guys, if you carry that out to its logical extreme, right, I don't condemn the, the individual Catholic. They're trying to do right. Isn't the, Baptist trying to, the individual Baptist trying to do right? He thinks he is. How about the Jehovah's Witness? He thinks he is. It doesn't matter if you want to condemn someone or not. It's all based on righteousness, right? That guy's, that guy's mindset is he doesn't truly understand the church. He doesn't truly get it. Uh, I've never, I have never, ever, ever been into a church to worship or anything other than the Lord's church from the day I become a Christian. I don't think I've we even stepped inside of another church since then. I don't think I ever have. I'd preach at the Baptist church if they let me, but I've never been inside of another church because I understand what the church is. There's no way I would go to a, the big mega church behind my house. Not that it angers me when I drive by there every day, but I wouldn't go there. Although Alex, Alex asked to go ride the rides out front one day when he was a kid. He doesn't get the church. Some of our brethren guys don't understand the church, and that's exactly right. It's sad. So why should we be surprised when not only the world hates us, but some of our brethren don't really want to associate with what it is we believe. When was the last time? A lot of churches are not going to preach the sermon on the one church, the one body, the kingdom. They're not going to preach it. 
right? They're not going to preach on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. I actually just saw not long ago a minister who got fired. He preached. The elder said, you cannot preach on that. And he said, you cannot tell me what I can and cannot as long as it's in the Bible. I'm not going to accept that. And they said, fine, then you don't work here. He said, fine, then I don't work here. But he said, I, and they, guess what they wanted him to not preach on? Marriage, divorce, and remarriage. Um, so you're not going to hear that. You're not going to hear a lot of sermons about homosexuality. You're not going to hear a lot of sermons about alcohol or about a number of fornication, a number, the things we cover pretty much every week. You're not going to hear that in most places. Why? It's divisive. And what happens when it's divisive? The numbers go down. What goes down when the numbers go down? The money goes down. That's, an, that's in a nutshell pretty much where we're Are we already past time? Usually my wife's over here pointing at the watch. No, I'm just kidding. Somebody normally does. All right, we'll end with this as we're talking. Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hate you. That's why the gospel spread so fast in the first century and is still that primary need for the church to spread today. We need to be looked at as different. I don't know anybody who thinks... <laughs> I don't know anyone who thinks that the Church of Christ is anything like the Baptist church down the road. At least not in this town. Not us. I don't, there's nobody that would con, confuse us with the Baptist church down the road, maybe in some other town. Uh, they know that we're different. They know that what we teach is different. Who's got control today? Joe does. I will hand it over to Brother Joe.